0: Welcome to Destiny Moments with Angel Murchison. Today on the broadcast, I have Shelly Good, interim pastor from the Westfield United Baptist Church in Westfield, Maine. Welcome, Shelly. Thank you, Angel. Well, Shelly, today you're going to talk to our listeners about mourning. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me. So what I want to share with you um, this morning um, is a confession, a word, of God, a word that God spoke to me and a promise that he's made to all of us. And James 5:16 says that it is good for us to confess our sins to one another. And I'm confessing to you, my church family, that I have been holding on to an idol for the best part of the last year. Um, An idol is anything that we put before our God. Idols prevent us from growing in Christ, speaking the truth, walking boldly in our faith, and treating other people with Christian love. And I've been holding on to the idol of sorrow. Since my dad died last year, um, I have pretty much bowed down to it most every day, afraid to not remind myself of this loss. And it has kept me from loving my family and growing in my Lord and serving all of you in the way that I've been called to do. So please forgive me. I got stuck in the grieving process. I've been on autopilot and just going through the motions. This church has weathered more than its fair share of loss this year. We've lost mothers and fathers, grandparents, brothers, sisters, and friends. We've even lost our pastor We and the people we love have lost businesses and good health and marriages and I think somewhere along the way maybe we've lost our joy. And that's where I found myself this spring. My family's grieving process began all over again as we made the difficult decision to close the family business. We wondered what that would look like and what we'd look like as a family and it was during the struggle that God spoke to me lovingly but sternly like every good parent does and he told me very clearly to share that conversation with you. So let's take a look at a familiar passage of scripture in John 11. It's the account of the death of Jesus's friend Lazarus and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. Now a certain man named Lazarus was ill. He was of Bethany, the village where Mary and her sister Martha lived. This Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was now ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love so well is sick. And when Jesus received the message, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but on the contrary, it is to honor God and to promote his glory, that the son of God may be glorified by it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sisters and Lazarus. They were his dear friends, and he held them in loving esteem. Therefore, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he still stayed two days longer in the same place where he was. I'm going to skip down to um, verse 14. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. So, Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. It will help you to believe. However, let us go to him. And then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go too, that we may die along with him. So when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. And a considerable number of the Jews had gone out to see Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. And when Mary heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. Well, I'm sorry. Well, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him while Mary remained sitting in the house. And Martha then said to Jesus, Master, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And even now I know that whatever you ask from God, he will grant it to you. Jesus said to her, your brother shall rise again. And Martha replied, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, although he may die, yet he shall live. And whoever continues to live and believes in me shall never actually die, do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed, and I do believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary privately, whispering to her, the teacher is close at hand and is asking for you. And when she heard this, she sprang up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the same spot where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were sitting with her in the house and consoling her saw how hastily Mary had arisen and gone out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to pour out her grief there. And when Mary came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she dropped down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews who came with her also sobbing, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. We'll stop there. Uh, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible. So my full-time uh, position, gig, if you will, uh, is I'm a psychology instructor at uh, the community college here in Presque Isle. And part of the material that I cover in my developmental psychology class is the process of death and dying and the stages of grief. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is an author who identified five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And anytime there is a loss of anything, people move through at least some of these stages. Not always in the same order or in the same way. Kubler-Ross gave us a language to talk about death and dying and grief. An ability to put into words those things that can really only truly be felt. So let's see if we can identify these stages of grieving in John 11 and maybe in your loss and in mine. Stage one. Denial. A refusal to accept what is reality. I have to believe that Martha and Mary experienced some denial when they first learned that Lazarus had died. There was a conversation here between Martha and Mary that we're not privy to, but we know it was happening because in verses 21 and 32, they both say the exact same thing to Jesus. If you had come, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Surely there were at least some moments of panic between these two. There is no indication in scripture that either woman was married. Their very well-being was dependent on their brother. He was their caretaker, responsible for their financial status, their social status. They had to have said to each other, this can't be happening, he can't be gone. What will we do without him? Sometimes part of denial is forgetfulness. For weeks after dad passed, there were days that I would forget he was gone. And when we packed up the camper last fall, we needed a replacement par for something. And I said out loud, well, dad will know where to get one of those. I'll just run up and... Stage two, anger. When we lose something or someone, there is almost always anger. And the Bible is clear what a dangerous and deadly thing anger can be. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, Don't let the sun go down on your anger, lest the devil establishes a foothold. And when I read this verse, I'm a very visual person, and I always envision Satan's scraggly foot and that gnarly toenail just taking a foothold. Anger is the chink in our armor, and Satan watches and waits for it. How many families have you seen torn apart by anger when a loved one dies or when there is a divorce or some other kind of loss? It happens all the time. We've seen it in our extended family and we always said to each other, that will never happen to this family. It happened. There was anger and disagreements and harsh words were exchanged and I'm sure even harsher thoughts that thankfully never made it from our minds to our mouths. But praise be to God, we didn't get stuck there. The sisters were angry. They knew that Jesus knew that Lazarus was ill. They knew that at any point, Jesus could have spoken the word and their brother would have been healed. But he didn't. Most commentators agree Jerusalem was just two miles from Bethany, even with sandals slipping in the sand and stops now and then to rest in the heat of the day. What is that, a 60-minute walk at tops? They sent word to Jesus that Lazarus had died and he didn't come. He stayed in Jerusalem for two days after hearing the news, and he didn't arrive in Bethany until Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. Can you imagine that if your closest family friend heard that your brother was dying and that friend actually had the medicine that could save your brother but your friend chose not to come anger is certainly the first emotion that comes to my mind in this situation and knowing what we know about martha and mary's personalities from other places in scripture i have to believe that it was martha that was really spun up here I can just see it. When she heard Jesus was on his way, she went out to meet him. She had some things to get off her chest. In verse 21, she says, If you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Stage three, bargaining. Well, I don't see Martha and Mary bargaining with Jesus uh, in this passage, but it is common practice, especially among those who are in the process of dying. Lord, just let me live long enough to see my son graduate from college, or let me live until my last child makes it home. Rick Duncan from the House of Comfort shared some bargaining stories with us here a few weeks ago. There's some research out there that actually suggests that bargaining may work, in a sense. Death rates among people of the Jewish faith actually drop just before Passover and then rise immediately after the holiday. It's as though they are willing themselves to live through that time. Timing. In our family, the year was divided into three parts. There was before camping season, during camping season, and then after camping season. And dad died the weekend before Labor Day. And we kind of laughed to ourselves and said, really, dad? You couldn't have just waited until we got through camping season? Stage four, depression. This is where sorrow settles in and it hurts to breathe. And my sister and I agreed that grief is the most exhausting thing a person experiences. It is a tired beyond tiredness. If any of you have ever experienced depression, you know what I mean. You feel crushed beneath the weight of it. One of the hallmarks of clinical depression is exhaustion. It's described as feeling like your arms and your legs weigh 9,000 pounds. And it is all you can do to move yourself through space. Verse 20 tells us that while Martha went out to meet Jesus, Mary remained sitting in the house. And I wonder if in that moment, Mary was so full of sorrow that she was just too weak to move. Now, it isn't that Martha and Mary didn't know that Jesus could do miraculous things. In verse 25, Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And in verse 26, Martha replies, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the son of God, who is to come into the world. We can know in our heads that a relationship needed to go or that business needed to close or it was for the best that our loved one left us in the way that they did. But it's harder to convince our hearts of that. At some point after this exchange, Mary ran from the house, spoke to Jesus, and they went to the tomb. Now remember, Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. Martha said, Lord, surely there will be a stench. The body had started to decompose. Now, one commentator that I looked at, who quotes a Jewish text, indicated that in the Jewish tradition, a dead body was buried or placed in a tomb immediately after death. But the mourners continue to come to the tomb for three days because the dead person continues to be present. Mourning is at its height on the third day, presumably because it is the last time the dead person will be present there. Until three days after death, the soul keeps on returning to the grave, thinking that it will go back into the body. But when it sees that the facial features have become disfigured, it departs and abandons the body. Jesus waited. Though the grief, the weight of the knowledge of the loss was the greatest on the third day, Jesus came on the fourth day. Jesus waited before he came. He waited until after grief had been the heaviest. He let his friends go through the grieving process. It's an important process. Jesus waited four days so that the glory of God would be shown. In verse four, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death, but it is to honor God and promote his glory jesus waited four days so that there could be no question that this was a miracle from god sometimes the loss that drives us to our knees and takes with it all of our strength is what allows god's glory to be shown first corinthians twelve nine says his strength and power are made perfect in our weakness and even so jesus stood at that tomb and jesus wept And I've always looked at this verse and thought, wow, what love Jesus had for Lazarus. Lazarus died, and Jesus loved him so much that he cried. But Jesus wasn't weeping because Lazarus had died. If that were the case, he would have wept when he first heard the news. He didn't weep because Lazarus died, because he knew that he would raise Lazarus from the dead. He wept at the tomb because his heart broke when he saw his sweet friend, Mary, sobbing. And that's the hardest part when there's a loss, isn't it? Watching our loved ones cry and grieve and hurt and we feel their sorrow right along with our own. And so that's where I was stuck, in the depression stage. And on this particular day, when God and I had this conversation, I heard him say, "Shelly, you have to lay this sorrow down. And I argued, but I can't. I don't even have the strength to let go. And he said to me, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then I was truthful with him and myself for the first time about this. And I said, Lord, I can't let go because if I do, maybe it means I wasn't a good daughter. And Jesus said, you are my daughter. And it is breaking my heart to watch you cling to this sorrow like it is a life preserver in the ocean of your own tears. And then he said it again, a little more sternly, lay it down. And so I did. Right there on our back deck where moments before I had been crying and praying, I laid it down. Stage five, acceptance. I laid it down and I was immediately reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter four, you are crushed but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We are blessed beyond the curse and his promise will endure, his joy will be our strength. And in the Psalms, though the sorrow may last through the night, joy comes in the morning. It's morning, this morning is morning church. We are not abandoned. We are not destroyed. I don't want to just go through the motions anymore. We owe our God so much more than that. We owe each other so much more than that. Are you stuck somewhere in denial or anger or bargaining, depression? Please hear me. Feel how you need to feel. Maybe your loss is fresher than mine. It is a process. Go through the process, but don't get stuck there. God's glory is right around the corner. Please pray with me. Lord, it is my prayer that you have touched a heart here today, that this message is going to help someone get unstuck from denial or anger or depression over something or someone that they've lost. Let us lay down our idols, Lord, whatever they are. Help us to be a church that doesn't just go through the motions but stands on your promises and the knowledge that your joy is our strength. Your word says we can do all things through you because you strengthen us. You give us strength even to lay down those things that we cling to, those things that stand between us and you and us and each other. Let us go in your grace. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Shelley Good. It's been a privilege to have you share your heart and share the Word of God with our listeners today. And thank you, listeners, for joining me. Tune in again next week for another broadcast of Destiny Moments.